Well, good morning to you all. My name is Gary Bershears. Albert is one of my star students, and he asked if I would give you a sermon today on, on worry. As we prepare for that, uh, if you could, if you haven't already, get some, maybe some bread and, and, and some juice, and we're going to do communion at the end of this time. He asked me to preach you on worry. Now, nothing to worry about. I mean, COVID, people dying, where do you have to wear masks? Uh, social distancing, where can you go, where can you not go? Uh, governor's edicts controlling our lives. Yeah, a little bit there. And well, there's economic chaos and stock market going up and unemployment going up and unemployment. Oh my gosh, what a mess. Yeah, I get, oh yeah, an election. Yeah, maybe worry is a good topic for us to think about. We're going to look at Jesus' kingdom manifesto, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus talks about the what of Jesus' follower's life. He does it in seven basic commands there following the Beatitudes. And he's comparing um, a religiosity to a deep righteousness. In chapter 6, he teaches the how. In chapter 7, he'll turn to the why. We're going to look at chapter 6. He wants us to do the right things, the things about wide mercy. He wants to do it the right way, the way of high faith. He wants to do the right reasons, the way of deep justice. Chapter 6 begins with three practices, giving, praying, fasting, and tells us to do this for God's pleasure, not for our exhibition for the number of likes we get in social media. Then it turns to the goals of our life. And really that's, what do you worry about? What do you strive for? What do you seek? So there's a handout that goes with this, and I think that's come to you in the email, it's on the website. But I want to follow through and look at, starting in Matthew chapter 6, I want to start at verse 25. So let's read it together. Therefore, he says, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, or about your body, what you'll wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. <laughs> they don't sow, they don't reap, store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about your clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor were dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For these pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Seek first his kingdom, his righteousness. All these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own, he says. Therefore, he says, I tell you, do not worry about your life. So what do you worry about? How can you not worry? Well, part of that's those kingdom practices, giving, praying, fasting. Part of it's what you do seek. Because see, the point is where you invest your imagination, 
where you allow your full thoughts to focus. And he says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. So the thing is, where do we focus our thoughts? What are we striving for? And he's saying, first of all, do seek his kingdom. And that kingdom, it's not heaven. It's not that special personal relationship between Jesus and me. It's rather the Lord's mission to rescue and renew his sin-marred creation. Because that's what God is doing. From the very beginning, Genesis chapter 1, he created humans as his blessable image-bearing covenant partners with a mission to fill the earth with blessable image-bearing covenant partners who will create communities of justice and mercy and faithfulness and generosity and goodness, beauty. And that's still the kingdom. He says, seek first his kingdom, this sort of thing. He says to seek his righteousness. Now, when I think of righteousness, I think, you know, a good guy who keeps the rules. You know, my granddaughter, Elizabeth, was here, and she's 12 and brilliant, brilliant, brilliant girl. And she's learned it's easier to get along in school if you just, like, keep the rules. It's not that hard. And she's she's great. But that's not the righteousness he's talking about here. The righteousness here is the righteousness is living with all relationships as they should be. So it's God, others, self, rest of creation, well-ordered, full of dignity and beauty, relationships as God designed them to be. That's what the righteousness is. He says do justice. And that's working to accomplish this kind of righteousness. So when we're seeking his righteousness, we're seeking to invest in those relationships. We're looking particularly for the worthless person, the widow, the orphan, the stranger, the poor, the person who has no benefit to us to help out and do that kind of thing. Then he says on top of that, do not worry about, do not strive for, do not seek things that the pandemics ruin. The pandemics have really messed up a lot of stuff. Don't worry about those things that thieves steal. Don't worry about those things that volcanoes cover up here in Portland. I mean, that's a reality. Mount St. Helens just up the way and Mount, Saint, Mount Hood is rumbling. Don't worry about the things that are ruined there. Don't worry about the things that earthquakes ruin. Because we here on the West Coast are always kind of concerned about the big one may come and it shakes pretty regularly. Don't worry about the things like that. They're important buildings and food and those kinds of things, but that's not the heart of things. Your 401k, your health plan are concerns, but not worries about. Don't strive, don't make those centered. Don't worry about what you eat or what you wear. I live in Portland and we're the foodie capital of the world and uh, maybe y'all down in and East Bay or into that, but I think maybe Portland is even more so, but whatever, don't worry about it. Don't get your image out of what you're wearing, your clothes. It just, that's just not the, I mean, wear clothes, yeah. Worry about your food, concerned about it, but don't focus on those things he's saying. I like the idea he says, worry like a bird. <laughs> you know, I like birds. Uh, got a bird feeder up to help things. Well, you know, birds, hopping around and, you know, looking for seeds. And I don't know, they seem to talk to each other and fly around. Hummingbirds fight with each other. Uh, worry like a bird. And when I look at birds, you know, they're not just picking up seeds. They're always got their eyes looking up. What do birds worry about? What do birds worry about? 
Well, they worry about, I mean, their worry is, yeah, a cat <laughs> or a hawk. And they're watching all the time for those kinds of things. And Jesus said, worry like a bird. They're not worried about climate change. They're not worried about whether there be seeds in the ground. But they are worried about cats. In a similar way, we're worried about Satan and his tactics. It says be alert for those things in Scripture. But we don't worry about the, the other things. How do you do that? Well, one of the things that intrigues me, he says, I think we should worry like Jesus. Now, Jesus is the one who said, remember, he said, uh, at many points, he said, don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in Father? You know, it's okay. When I look at Matthew chapter 26, after the Last Supper, he goes to the garden, and there in the garden, Matthew 26, verse 37, he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here. Keep watch with me, he said. Going a little further, he fell on his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. That's a foundation. Now here's Jesus, so deeply concerned, agonized there in the garden, sorrowful. Luke says that he's, his sweat is coming like blood out of an open wound, or maybe it's even sweating blood. Agonized with the Father, pouring out his heart to the Father. There's a concern, there's a worry, there's a overwhelmed sorrow, very real. And our Lord does that. It's a pattern for us, but he looked to the Father in the face of the tempter who tried to pull him away. Same kind of thing they did back in the other garden, in the wilderness, where the Satan came and tempted him to, can't be too sure you can trust God. I mean, why don't you just throw yourself off the temple just to check out, to be sure, see if he's going to help you out or not. And against this background, Jesus said, do not worry. Life, eat, drink, body, wear. Do not worry, he says. I think what is worry? What is worry? I think it's investing our imagination in the secondary things of life, the food we eat, the beverage we drink, the clothes we wear, the houses we inhabit, the sports we play, the entertainment we enjoy. When I think of worry, it's investing my imagination in those things and concern that it may not be there. What if? When I think of worry, I mean, this picture of the little guy just really, <laughs> I love that. Worry has a spectrum from concern to fret to worry to anxiety to dread. And Jesus is saying across that spectrum, it's so easy to, as we let our imaginations focus, let our thoughts stick into, is to move up the sequence. And what he's saying, no, move back down the sequence. Be like Jesus, be like a bird, concerned for the right things, yes, but worrying for the future is not the way. Love looks forward. Hate looks back. Anxiety has eyes all over its head. You know, McLaughlin. I just watched uh, Shark Week. As I, I, I like sharks. Um, 
and I've been watching Shark Week on, I think it's on Discovery. Will Smith, who's an actor I really appreciate, was doing uh, a thing on sharks and overcoming his fear of the ocean, his fear of sharks. And when he talked about it, he said, you know, when you got those goggles on the underneath, you can see for it, you can't see back. What might be back there? See, anxiety is looking at the things you can't see and really your imagination is seeing what could be there. Worry is a small trickle of fear that meanders to the mind until it cuts a channel into which all other thoughts are drained. See, that's what happens when we invest our imagination, when we let our thoughts focus there. We allow that to happen. That's what Jesus is talking about, into the wrong things. Worry never robs tomorrow of its sorrow. It only saps today of its joy. Leo Piscaglia got it right. Leo Piscaglia got it right. Do not worry. Jesus said, do not worry. How can you? What what does that mean? Uh, This picture here of me, you see that spot on the side of my head? I mean, it's been there for a long time. And I went to the doctor. He took a look at it, sent me over to a dermatologist, and she said, that's melanoma. Very, 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 very nasty cancer, very aggressive. And suddenly I got that phone call that told me about it and I looked it up, had a visit and uh, with the doctor and the surgeon and I thought, I tell you, Jesus said, don't worry about your life. <laughs> with the melanoma, I mean, that, that's a whole, what do you do with that? I mean, that stuff kills you. That's a certain metric. So they did you can see the scar up here. They uh, did surgery, took out the downstream lymph node, the parotid gland, and there was stuff in the downstream lymph node. That means it's at least stage three. Don't worry about your life. That was five years ago, almost six years ago now, those surgeries, and there's been a recurrence. But still, what does it mean? Well, some lessons I learned that may be helpful for you First of all, when I go to the past, I look for lessons, not regrets. And it'd be very easy for me to go back, you idiot, why didn't you go to the doctor? I mean, you could have, you know it was time, and eh, just get it. So I could cut myself to shreds. Now, look for lessons. So now I keep my appointment with the doctor, and uh, I look to the future with a plan that's built on what I do know and reasonable research. Now, I could go look on the web for melanoma and scare myself senseless. I went to an oncologist and said, and got word from him, talked to my nurse friends who work in oncology, and, but I went with a plan with possibilities. What about this? But I didn't. See, the thing, Satan lives in the what-ifs of the future. And when I go to the what-ifs, what would happen if I reject that temptation to live there? The what-ifs are, we always take the worst into the future. We always take the first in the future. And what we're doing is say, I will not allow my thoughts, my imaginations to focus on what-ifs. Now, preparation, yes, possibilities put in. How do you do that? 
Well, a key there, of course, is to remember Jesus said, seek his kingdom, his righteousness. Jesus lives in the present. He's going to be in the future too, but he lives in the present. And Satan wants to go to Christless future with him in control. And what we do is we live in the present. I look for glimmers of his grace in dark places. And that takes an exercise of working with his kingdom and his priorities and his righteousness in mind. And when I seek those things, then I see God at work in just amazing ways. But it's so easy to miss the kingdom when I'm in the middle of coronavirus because Satan wants me to be feared. And the news cycle does it. Oh my gosh, everybody's living on fear and terror and hatred right now. And I just refuse to go there. I just don't need to go there. I do want to live life concerned with getting kingdom things in God's ways. I don't want to worry like a bird. <laughs> I want to worry like Jesus. I mean, even more so is what I want to do. So what I'd like to do here as we finish up, uh, I would like you to get um, some communion elements, some juice and some bread. Because at that last supper of Jesus, he took, they're the Passover elements, he took some bread as it went around, tore off a piece, broke it, gave it to his disciples. And he said, this is my body given for you, broken for you. Representing the body that would be crucified on the cross just a short while later. And he said, through this is forgiveness of sin. Through this is being a child of God. As often as you eat, he said, do this remember to me. This is the body of Christ. Let's eat together. Jesus, thank you for the incredible investment you made in kingdom righteousness, in sharing that with us so we can have your righteousness, your forgiveness, your status of being children of God, new heart, indwelling spirit, so we can seek your kingdom. Partway through the supper, he took the third cup, the cup of redemption, and he said, not just redemption of Egypt to remember, not just a future redemption, but a current redemption from sin and the hostile powers of the demons. He said, drink this cup and do it in remembrance of me. Let's drink together. I'm going to pray benediction, that good word over you. Father, Malakalam, King of Eternity, you have come to us in Jesus. Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus, who is the Messiah, to bring us newness of life. You've told us to seek your kingdom, seek your righteousness, and you poured out the Holy Spirit in us to bring us together in a unified presence, empower us to do these things. Holy Spirit, will you show us those places where we're focusing our imaginations, our thoughts in the wrong ways and the wrong things, and encourage us in the community to focus our thoughts and our imaginations and our energies on the things that matter on your kingdom and your righteousness. So I pray blessing for the good people of regeneration, and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.